This is Kristen, your leadership enthusiast with Lead the Way Wednesday, presented by the Greater You Leadership Series, where we discuss all things leadership every Wednesday to help you get through your hump day and your journey of leadership. So let's get to it. Let's lead. Hello, everyone. It is Kristen Webb, your leadership enthusiast. It is Lead the Way Wednesday, and I'm hoping that today, like all the other Wednesday, we are going to be able to get you past your hump day so that you can continue on your journey of leadership for the remainder of the week and be as successful as you set out to be. Today, I have the amazing Dr. Alexandria White on with me and I'm going to do a small intro for but I definitely want to hear from you uh, once I get started but in light of what's gone on this year in 2020 um, even more recently with our new president-elect President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris I just been having constant thoughts or I've been in many conversations with people all about diversity for obvious reasons right Um, we're about to see this administration be one of the first um, administrations that looks like what it's going to look like going forward and so diversity was really top of the brain and I thought about this mastermind diversity specialist I know uh, named Dr. Alexandria White. So I wanted to definitely bring her on. She has 15 years of experience delivering training around diversity, uh, servant leadership, which is very important, and inclusion. Uh, she consults with organizations on ways to create diverse and inclusive workplaces. Um, she founded SAMS, which stands for Student Affairs Moms. Uh, It's the largest online community for mothers who work in the student affairs profession. Uh, Her professional career has involved retail banking, leadership, community activism, diversity planning, and higher education. And something tells me she's leaving something off because she is absolutely dynamic. She holds a BA from Indiana University, MA from Ball State University, and ED doctorate from University of Mississippi. And uh, currently she's the adjunct faculty in the School of Education at the University of Mississippi. I always want to say go Rebs. Can I still say go Rebs? Okay, I didn't know if it was go Black Bear or I don't know what they- Land Shark. Okay, that's right, that's right, that's right. So I welcome on with us today, Dr. Alex, how are you? I am wonderful, I am wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the listeners. Thank you to Kristen for inviting me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Good deal, good deal. So I'm going to shut up because I did my whole little intro, my little (laughs) spiel, trying to really grease up the joints and oils. But um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your organization, your passion, whatever you want to share. My goodness, I am a product of uh, the south side of Chicago and Winona, Mississippi, right? Mm. Uh, My mom was the innocent, little naive, country girl from Winona, Mississippi, who took the train for new adventures and a new world to Chicago, Illinois. So my parents met in Chicago, of course, during the Great Migration, when many, many Black people left Mississippi, Mm. Alabama, and headed to the North. I have five wonderful brothers, um, a sister, uh, a beautiful daughter, uh, almost (laughs) 16-year-old. And um, I just love having fun. I love uh, talking about diversity. I love 
being inclusive of people. And I love to travel. I just came back from Puerto Rico less than two weeks ago uh, in yeah. a pandemic. <laughs> I live through you. When I see your photos, I follow, I follow Alex on uh, social media, but I live through her photos. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna grow up and be like her. But the fact that you actually go by yourself sometimes to do is solo dolo. Oh. <laughs> Everybody's not able to do that. <laughs> Everybody's not able to do that. I'm, I'm, my, I'm my mom's only daughter, so she's always complaining. You go off into the world. Oh. I'm like, mom, I'm actually a little bit safer in other countries than the U.S. So, hey. right here at home. Wow. <laughs> so well traveled, um, and I just love hearing the history, the backstory, you know, and seeing that transition. I mean, you told us about your mom and them real quick, you know, um, yeah. and I had this visual of just this, you know amazing girl growing up to be who you are today so thank you for sharing that yes. um, I always I always like to throw this out at the very beginning and I never tell my um, guests this question but it's a okay. kind of obvious question because we're talking about leadership um, and how that ties in today with diversity and inclusion and whatever else we go, uh, come across but one word define leadership three seconds go vulnerability being able to be vulnerable Ooh. I'm, I had to sit back and I had to sit in that one for a minute because that's one that you don't ever, you hardly ever hear people say. Um, but I mean, hardly ever. And I think it's because it's, again, it's a vulnerable space. You have to like really be willing to um, let go, let your guards down, be willing to fail. So tell me why you pick vulnerability though. Because as I do these trainings for large Fortune 500 companies, um, or, you know, small nonprofits, they have to see me as a person. So, my, of course, my salient ID identities are a woman of color. I'm a black woman of color. Um, I am short in stature. I talk loud. All of my in, um, identities. And so, while I'm going to teach you about some of the things um, and some of those uncomfortable situations, I have to be vulnerable um as well and so i have to share a part of me when i i didn't get it mm -hmm. um and so yes i've been doing this for 15 years and so when people say that i'm a diversity equity inclusion expert i i push against that because uh -huh. to me there is no finish line mm -hmm. in um yes we talk about race but there are so many different types of races we talk about uh sex there are different types of sexes, um, anything in between, social economic status, ableism, ageism, um, anti-fat biases. These is so much dealing with diversity and inclusion in this space that no, I might be a strategist because I'm always strategizing on how to be more inclusive, but I always shy away from expert because to me, there's no finish line. Mm. Because there's no finish line, um, I'm able to be vulnerable in saying, you know what, I might not know that segment of that demographic, but I'm going to be vulnerable enough to tell you I don't know. Mm. And so leaders are able to do that. Oh, you just sat me down. I actually made a note <laughs> that says, I'm, I'm going to stop using the word expert. I like that um, because we tend, we put expert on this pedestal. Like that means they're all knowing they're, you're the go-to, you know, nobody else can tell it the way, you know, right. Kristen can tell it, but I love that there truly is no finish line. If you are in constant pursuit of growth and uh, being able to expand yourself, absolutely, there is no finish line. So 
I'm taking that one back going forward. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's why I like to do this because I get to learn from other people. Seriously, <laughs> I, I'm taking it out of my vocabulary. As of let me see, uh, five oh eight Wednesday. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess let's kind of take it back some then. Give the, I mean, you gave, I heard some defining of diversity and inclusion, but what does that look like? What is it truly? You know, what's the book terminology? What's real life terminology? So I'm, so I'm an academic, but actually when I'm doing or teaching people or consulting with people, I, I actually throw that out the way. I okay. throw because I can, I can cite you the, uh, the, um, verbatim definition of what diversity, equity, and inclusion is. But when I'm talking to, um, I'm sorry, when I'm talking to um, people, I use analogies. So this is an um, analogy with diversity and inclusion. So diversity is me inviting you to my home for dinner, for dinner, that's diversity. Inclusion is making sure that everybody eats, mm. right? Diversity, is inviting you to a dance. Inclusion is making sure that everybody does dance. Mm. Mm. And so diversity is getting everybody to the party, getting everybody to dinner, or getting different people to colleges or universities. So at colleges and university, it's diversity everywhere. We've got people coming from Memphis. We've got people coming from Los Angeles. We've got straight people. We have transgender people. We have mothers. Um, we have Jewish students. Well, at the university, that's diverse. Now inclusion is making sure that a single mother a single disabled mother has resources so that she can grow and prosper at the university. That is inclusion. Inclusion is giving everyone tools that they need so that they can manifest and be empowered in a space. And so on a corporate level, that would be, um, there's corporations that I work with that uh, pre-pandemic, uh, they had nursing rooms uh, breastfeeding rooms. They would have prayer rooms for Muslim employees because Muslim employees, some, some of them want to pray five times a day. So those are inclusive practices that a corporation, a school, or anywhere can do to help their diverse population. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. So it obviously matters. Oh, uh, yeah. But the distinction you just made, and I think a lot of times when I know for even myself, when we when I consider diversity, sometimes it's just saying, oh, there's a black person in the room, there's a white woman in the room, there's an Indian representation. Um, you know, it's just saying those really just the demographic more than anything else. Exactly. You know, the or the exactly. gender uh, more than anything else. But the fact that you said ableism, you know, just pieces and pieces that you don't think about, and it's so layered. I think oh. that we think very um, single dimensional a lot of times when it, it's absolutely multi-dimensional. So that was really profound to hear that distinction and then to hear those layers. Um, you know, I've read up on some of this, but you just really, you schooling. <laughs> but I read, it doesn't matter. I'm getting it from Dr. White. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's a, um, a trial and error. And so what you, it's kind of like what you said, oh, we've got a black person, we've got an Asian person, an Indian person. Okay. They're all on the board check mark. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what are we going to do 
to address their other identities, their other intersectionalities. And what are we gonna do to address, to make sure that they stay there? Right. So we can get a diverse team, mm -hmm. but it's inclusive practices that make them thrive and make them want to stay. Right. And so there is a difference between having a diverse um, atmosphere and then an inclusive atmosphere. And so the inclusive atmosphere is a breeding ground for collaboration and um, productivity um, because you can have an, an array of people mm -hmm. but if you don't have any of things to keep them there mm -hmm. and to keep them thriving and to understand those other identities, then all you do is have a diverse population. That's right. it. Awesome, yep. awesome. So like shifted to leadership then, uh, okay. because that was more of the broad scope of what any organization or any community or, you know, uh, any space should look like, feel like, you know, uh, be actually doing, like the putting into practice that you mentioned. But when we shift to leadership, how much more, if at all, is it important uh, for diversity and inclusion to exist? I believe that I'm, I'm a people person. And so I'm always taking the role of the other. I'm a sociologist. Um, I love studying people. And so a, tr a true leader for me is someone who is able to connect with all types of people, right? I'm able to talk to um, my person, uh, my janitorial staff, and I'm also able to talk to the CEO. I'm able to talk to someone on the street as well as I'm able to talk to someone in a boardroom. And so I'm able I think that a true leader is able to read their audience mm -hmm. and have that emotional intelligence. Um, I can go on and on about emotional intelligence, but I always read the room. And so one thing that I am noticing that I'm reading about is leaders should sometimes also be the last to say things. Ooh. Yes, should be the, if you are a senior leadership in the room, right? and decisions are being made, you should take a back seat and be the last to speak mm. in some instances. I love it, I love it. Be the last to speak because you don't want to taint the room or other people's ideas because you are the senior person in that room. Mm. And so as I collaborate, as I interview, as I network, I'm always cognizant of who is in the room and my leadership skills allow me to step back. And that's in my classroom when I'm also teaching. And that's when I meet a new client or that's when I'm doing a workshop. A true leader to me is able to read the room with good intention. So you say you're able to, uh, being able to step back and I, did I cut you off? I apologize. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, you mentioned step back. And so I wanted to kind of come more to Alex. You maybe want to step back when we're talking about leadership. and. I heard you be able to identify these traits, um, these quality leadership traits um, that you've identified for yourself. And one question I always do like to uh, inquire about is when did you identify, like what was that aha moment for yourself that you realized that you had these traits, uh, that you were a leader, and then um, understanding the responsibility of it all? Yeah. I think I have always been different. I, I have. Um, I, I grew up in the North. I moved to the South. Um, I remember just being picked on a lot, and, you know, unfortunately by um, girls who look like me, right? Um, I was too black for the white people, too white for the black people, right? 
And so I was always in that, um, that, that pendulum, that pendulum. I've, I've always been vocal. Um, and I used to want to be the wallflower, you know? I used to want to be the quiet one in the room. Or would I, I used to always want, I was like, ah, oh, gosh, I wish I wasn't so social sometimes or something. I, I, I wanted to be like one of my close friends. She's very quiet. You won't even know she's in the room. Mm. But you know, God said, I made you this way. And so what we're gonna do, we're gonna utilize your voice mm. to make an impact in the world. Mm. And so I make an impact in the world in my community, um, in my classroom, um, and with people that I interact with. And so I've always known I, I was going to be teaching some type of way. I've always kind of been that awkward person um, and that I would always say things. Um, people were being bullied or if I was being bullied, bullied I'm, I'm going to say something, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, that, it, it, it has evolved. And so I'm always trying to be a better version of myself each and every day. And I do that by reading, mm -hmm. by getting critiques. Um, and so it's important that a leader, you talked, you talked about when do you notice that and how do you work on that? It's important for a leader to have a group of friends mm -hmm. that is authentic with them. Yes. Um, my friends tell me when I'm wrong and I constantly ask, um, when I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, it, I, I posted something, um, on Facebook, um, and, uh, a close friend of mine in my circle, and she said, Alex, uh, that hurt my feelings. Hmm. Um, and it was the, it was the word crackhead. And, um, I said, let me sit with this. Um, and thank you for telling me. And I went and did some research on the word crackhead and how it is used, um, to de de denigrate mm -hmm. African-American communities. Um, it came from the, you know, the epidemic in the eighties. And just did some research and I messaged my friend back and I said, you know what? I'm going to remove that from Facebook. It is a term that we just throw around in our community that can be harmful. Right. And so a leader should not, should never think they are beyond being told that they are wrong. Mm -hmm. And if you are told that you are wrong, then you can sit with that. You can do nothing. You can put it in your back pocket, but you must be cognizant of how it affects other people. Mm -hmm. And so my leadership skills, as it's always evolving, I knew that. Some of the best people I knew would say that they were wrong. Um, I remember President Obama making that speech about race and how um, it was impactful and how it hurt other people. And as a leader, you have to do that. And if you are never doing that or never saying that you're wrong, hmm. you're going down a slippery slope. Absolutely. And, we, and huh, we see that now with person in this person exactly. in, on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. We see yep. that now. He, yep. Your ego will take you down every time. And so all of that makes me think about why your word, your definition was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it requires that when you hold yourself accountable, that's you being able to look in the mirror and be honest, you know, when yeah. you're seeking out uh, critiques or, you know, uh, the opportunity to just be your best self. Most people don't do that. Um, and you're right. An amazing leader, the best leader is going to be the person that is willing to uh, do that. 
um, I also liked your point about, you know, when you are, um, say, you know, the top, the head of the organization, making sure that you're willing to sit back and not uh, taint the process. But I think even more so, it made me think about how I'm always talking about, if you're not listening, uh, right. not a listener, right. you cancel it. You know, you're losing, the people around you are losing. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's just not a good space. And when you don't have the ability to just truly take in uh, what's being shared around you and be able to um, cultivate it in a way that helps you progress or helps your organization or the people around you or your community uh, to be able to progress. Um, that's good stuff. Wow. So <laughs> talk about mentorship and leadership. Okay. How, how have you found, and I heard you say it, but you know, just who have, who have been those mentors for you? Um, Actually, when people ask me that question, I, mm -hmm. I kind of flip it. So okay. I'll get I'll, I'll get to good mentors. But I, I, I believe in bad mentors. Hmm. Let me tell you why. I got my pen because I need this bad. Yeah, let me tell you why. I have people that I have encountered throughout life, right? They look like me. I'm, I, I thought I wanted to be them, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I got to know them, or got to work with them and I found that they didn't have any integrity mm -hmm. they um, were not welcoming they were not approachable they were always right I learned what I did not want to be from some of the worst mentors and so when people are like who's your mentor who's your mentor and I say I have some bad people that I have been around, that I used to look up to. And I have taken what I've saw in them and made sure that I never do that in a leadership position. Mm -hmm. And so we always brag about who's your mentor, who's your mentor. I want you to refocus that and say, is there anyone that I looked up to? Mm -hmm. It could be a teacher, it could be a pastor. And be like, I put all my faith in them. Mm -hmm. And they disappointed me. But what did I learn? Right. And some of my 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 bad mentors have taught me mm. to be approachable, to be loving, to call in instead of calling out, mm. to be um, authentic. And so all of those traits that I that I don't want to be has prepared me to look for my ideal mentors. Some of my ideal mentors are. Of course, Michelle Obama, um, my mother, my grandmother, um, uh, Oprah, as cliche as it is. Not is cliche. She, she bad. <laughs> in, every, in every person um, down to, um, yes, Cardi B. And so people, people say, oh, how could you? How could you think she's a mentor? How, she used to be this, this, and this. And I said, we have all been this, this, and this. Have we not? True story. Don't look at my list. True story. <laughs> don't, don't ever, don't ever think that you cannot be Maya. Maya Angelou had a very, very, very provocative background. Okay. And oh, and how can she be your mentor? I said, she's a businesswoman. And if you actually talk to her and get her off camera she plays a role. Cardi B is not as dumb as you think she is. No. She plays a role. And you guys could actually learn something from her. 
She plays a role, she plays her part, and she has made millions of dollars. Good point. And so, and so um, if you are always quick to look at someone and say, oh, I, they can never be my mentor, then guess what? You have not evolved as a person, as a person because there is work and learning in everybody. There is work and learning in everybody. From the trash man on the corner to the CEO in the office. And so, yes, that is my spectrum of mentors. Mm -hmm. And so um, I also believe in sponsors. We always talk about mentors. Mm -hmm. A good leader and someone who is evolving, who wants to take that step, you need to find a mentor that can also be your sponsor. And what I mean by that, I've had people pay for me to get cert certificates. I've had people um, say, you know what? I know you can't make it, but I believe in you. I'm gonna pay for you to go to this conference. Mm -hmm. So while we always talk about mentors, you gotta have a sponsor. You gotta have somebody in your circle that can say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna invest in you because I've seen how you work. Mm -hmm. And my investment, it might be financial, but it could also be access. A lot of my sponsors have given me access mm -hmm. to networks and opportunities. Um, and so mentors, I watch them, I talk to them, I read what they're writing, but I also have sponsors that I can call and say, you know what, I have an idea. Can you fund this? Can you give me access? I love it. So those, are the two. those are the two. And that's good because you're right. Mentor is generally the only question people get you know but how do you i mean but mentoring is good it helps you get to a certain place it helps you grow helps you learn but that investment gets you to see a little bit further and then <laughs> a little bit further you know i um there's a gentleman i put out my first book when uh, what two, 2012 yeah 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 so i've been wanting to be an author like since i was seven right right and once i got over the hump of just being a little um fearful, I guess, of people hearing my head on paper and reading it, you know, uh, once I got past that, it became more of a barrier about how I'm gonna pay for this, <laughs> you know, okay. how do I get it out there. How do I even get it in people's hands so they can judge what I got to, you know, got okay. to say. Uh, okay. But had I not had that sponsor, there you uh, go. I wouldn't be author Christian Webb. So I, I there you go. agree that's a focus that, um, you know, people should definitely make sure they have in their uh, utility yep. bill. <laughs> right. There you go. So when you talk about access, you made me think about barriers. Okay. And kind of, I guess, taking us a little bit back over to the diversity side, but um, what do you feel like generally creates the barriers um, for diversity and for inclusion? One, I think it is people, sometimes you don't know what you don't know, Christian. Mm. I mean, I talk to people every day, oh my, and they say, oh my God, I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I, I never thought about it like that. Mm -hmm. And, and um, I am in rooms, virtual rooms nowadays, with a lot of people who make two and three times money, much more money as me. And they are not that smart. And I remember uh, Michelle Obama's quote. She said, I've been at a lot of important tables. And some of those tables, those people are, just, are not that smart. I read that one the other day. Yeah, yeah. I read that yeah. the other day for sure. 
and I am in spaces and I'm thinking, did you not think that it would be helpful during a pandemic to ask parents or caregivers what what do they need in this virtual space? If you want to in, improve productivity, how about uh, if you are a parent or a caregiver, let's not forget about single people, but right now we want to do an initiative, a corporate initiative to help alleviate some stress with our parents and caregivers in the community. Can we do that? Once, let's acknowledge it. Let's acknowledge through a statement. Huh, you got a human resources department. Let's acknowledge that through a statement that the parenting or caregiving during a pandemic is, is quite stressful. Okay, you acknowledge it. And they're like, oh, wow, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay, number two, let's do an initiative. How can you do something to help parents that are trying to be a professional and they're also parenting, they're homeschooling all during a pandemic. Okay, why don't you get, you are a multi-million dollar company, why don't you get a collaboration with Instacart or Ship or any of those home grocery services and give a discount and say, there are parents and caregivers who are just too busy to go grocery shopping, we're gonna provide you with a discount. Oh my goodness, that is a good idea. Yes, it's it's called taking the role of the other and mm -hmm. understanding what are some barriers. And mm -hmm. so while I'm proactive in my barriers, because I am all my ear is always to the ground. I am always reading. I am on podcasts. I am listening to podcasts like yours. I am on trying to be proactive or anticipatory mm -hmm. so that I can be a well-rounded. Um, strategies when it comes to di um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And so there is no finish line. Um, and so I'm constantly evolving and thinking of proactive things to remove those barriers. Right, right. And um, I love to do it. Mm -hmm. They say when you, when you find something that you love to do it, it's a plus to get paid for it. And so I love, I love making inclusive spaces. I love making sure that people are welcome and let's talk about the barrier mm -hmm. and let's see how we can get it down. Good deal. So yeah. when you're consulting and uh, consulting on diversity and inclusion and uh, helping to open the eyes of mm -hmm. the receivers, mm -hmm. um, you're actually going in strategically helping them build that diversity and inclusion as well. The very yes. tactical components. Yes. Okay. Yes. That is really, really cool. It's something that really starts at the top. Mm. And so it doesn't matter if I'm going and talking to the teachers or um, human resources or facilities management. If the top doesn't buy in, mm -hmm. then it's of no consequence. Mm. And so when I'm talking to CEOs or CFOs or chief human resource officers or um, chancellors or any or anything, it has to start with you. Yeah, yeah. People will not follow and they will understand in authenticity before you can write the first uh, memo, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm always talking to senior leadership because it's gotta start. That's and a good point. Um, in my procurement field, obviously supply, well not obviously, but part of procurement uh, includes in a lot of organizations supply diversity or programs right. that are gender and race conscious. Um, mm -hmm. And I have seen the most successful programs set up like yep. this, 
the only the ones where senior leadership, your president, CEO, and then everybody else below, or your uh, chairman of the board, or your board chairs, those are the only environments where I've seen it be the most impactful. Uh, the ones where, you know, they're just doing it because, you know, I should, or it looks good, um, the, it doesn't have the impact that it's supposed to. The community suffer, the suppliers suffer, the organization, you know, suffers in essence, and the intent of it uh, just doesn't exist. Uh, which makes me ask this question because of, I, I feel like for me, the last few years, I have seen just this uptick and I like to say it's a trend. Um, I'm concerned with the authenticity of diversity and inclusion programs. And I've heard some of these conversations. I've read some of the uh, thought um, thoughts on it in, you know, newspapers, articles, whatever. Uh, what are your thoughts on that with diversity and inclusion and how there has been this incline of focus, which it should be, but mm -hmm. the authenticity of it, um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's so interesting that you asked that because I'm going to be on another podcast talking about diversity, equity, inclusion. Is it a trend or a movement? So that's so I'm, I'm warming you up. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. I'm warming you up. Good. So I'm doing another podcast. So this is what it is. Let's let's just be quite candid. Mm -hmm. um, in chronological order, let's do um, pandemic. Mm -hmm. Ahmaud Arbery, mm -hmm. Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, mm -hmm. and that's in chronological order. Ahmaud Arbery was in February, Breonna Taylor was in March, and George Floyd was the, the next. So I think the videotaping that eight minutes and 46 seconds was a visual representation of what has been going on. And I always, when I'm, I'm dealing with other people, I don't know if you know about um, Bloody Sunday. Mm -hmm. So blood, we weren't, I don't, we weren't allowed. Me and you were not allowed. We were not around for Bloody Sunday. And so if everyone, for all the listeners, Bloody Sunday was the televised beating of John Lewis and all of those peaceful protesters who were going across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. Televised, right? And so from that televised brutality, caught nicknamed Bloody Sunday in the history books, it rallied America. That's how Freedom Summer came. That's how white people and Jewish people and Italians and Native Americans and Asian Americans all flocked to the South to help with Freedom Summer because of that visual depiction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to me, this is our Bloody Sunday. George Floyd was our Bloody Sunday mm -hmm. because they saw it. They saw it and it was on every news cycle and it was there in your face. You couldn't you couldn't unplay it. You couldn't unplay it. You can't, you can't redo it. It's there. It's not leaving. Mm -hmm. And so that is the catalyst, right? Mm -hmm. Those were the three things at during a pandemic in 2020 where people are like, are we really gonna be talking about diversity and inclusion during a pandemic? Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. Oh, yeah. We are. Mm -hmm. And so is it a trend or a movement? And so I talk that this has to be a movement. And if you are going to consult with me, and if you want to pick my brain, then you have to understand that this is a movement. 
and that we're going to have to do a three to five year strategic plan that we're going to have to do some very, very uncomfortable surveys or pulse surveys where things are anonymous. And we're going to have to do some very, very, very uncomfortable town halls where human resources is not in the room so that people can talk freely. We're going to have to do some very, very uh, uncomfortable focus groups where no one from senior management is in the room. And so some you can hear the stories of underrepresented um, people in your company. And so if you do not want to be for it to be a trend, then we've got to do those check boxes because this is a movement. And so we understand this is a business case for a lot of companies. And it talks about that that's got to do with um, in, um, being authentic, but it's also a moral case. And when I work with people, yes, the business case is important, but a lot of people are just saying, you know what? This has got to stop. We will not be here in 2021. We will not be here in 2022. This has to be a movement. This has to be part of the DNA of a company. It has to be a part of the DNA of a company. It has to be in the DNA and it cannot just be a checkbox. And so sometimes I choose to work with clients um, that I like, that I feel that they're authentic. And then I I um, say, I might not be the, the, the strategist for you. Um, and um, this is why. And um, they're usually taken aback because, but I always believe all money ain't good money, right? So uh, that is how, that is how I define a movement. That it is, it's going to be about policies. It's going to be about those courageous conversations. It's going to be about three to five years strategic plan and how I can help you implement that. But it's also going to be about um, turning the mirror on yourself. Um, one of the things that I do is your personal affects your professional. And so how you are as a person affects how you go to work. And so if I have a CEO who doesn't know what unconscious bias is, doesn't understand uh, different types of privileges, doesn't understand ageism, or doesn't understand um, how to deal with an employee who's transitioning, then how are you going to be an effective CEO who delegates these diversity initiatives. So you've got to do some work. You've got to do some work. And so um, I do a self-awareness um, with a self-awareness inventory for a lot of people because it doesn't matter if I can come in and talk about all these initiatives, but if you haven't done the self-work, um, then it just will be a trend. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, and I'm really attached to self-awareness. That's mm -hmm. core, just core value number one for my company, the great leadership. Like yep, that's right. Everything else fails, you being an effective leader, you being likable, uh, you know, you being successful, all of it, it, it goes to to the you know wayside if you don't have that self-awareness piece. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, just listening to you. This is, and I'm just going to say it and tell me if I'm wrong. This is truly a passion and a purpose for you. It is. What, it what, is. what got you there? Like, what was that moment? Like, this is what I need to be doing and why? <laughs> um, it, so it's twofold. Um, 
one of the moments was Trayvon Martin. Mm. I um, I have five brothers, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And so I think Trayvon Martin, that was the catalyst to do the work, to actually um, read and read and read and listen and listen and and find out and work on my biases and why I was so angry about Trayvon Martin. Um, personally, all of the things that I've been through, um, single mom, college dropout, uh, domestic violence survivor, um, a uh, all, all of that, all of my intersectionalities also made, it, made me want to do the work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so personally, all of my identities, and then um, on the external, on a community wide, I think it was definitely Trayvon Martin um, and the acquittal of George Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. And I said, what can I do to make people understand or see Trayvon as their child? Mm. Um, and of course, one of my favorite movies is A Time to Kill. And at the end of A Time to Kill, don't, wa- don't watch t- A Time to Kill with me, my daughter, uh, will not watch it with me because I know all the lines. And you but... see me? Yes, it's going <laughs> yes, it's so... think knowing it, another thing reciting is... <laughs> yes. And so, at the end of the movie, I don't know if anybody's seen it, when uh, Jake Begant tells the um, majority white jury, mm-hmm. after he's gone through all the graphics of the black girl being raped, he tells them, think of her as white. And that was it. That was it. Mm. And so I felt that my work was forever to make sure that everybody knew that Trayvon was just a kid. Mm. That what about if he was white? But that would have happened. And I do that by making sure people are self-aware. I do that by um, teaching people their rights and responsibilities. I do that by being authentic. And so, um, yeah, the Trayvon Martin, that really affected me. Um, And yes, I'm going to protest, but what are my other ways to protest? And my other ways of protesting was to try to be the best leader that I could with the emphasis on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that is how. Yeah, taking the role of the other, that's one of my uh, takeaways. for today for sure um, yeah. and you wanting to help people do that mm-hmm. um, so with that if you had to leave one piece of advice for um, let's just say an up and coming leader someone who's who's aspiring to be a leader and we'll say obviously by formality because we're not going to get into informal and in, in mm-hmm. formal leadership but let's say it's someone who wants to take on that formal role of leadership what's the one thing that they should take away from you today I think if you're going to lead others, then you've got to turn the mirror on yourself. Mm. Have to. I mean, I hate to be, be, be cliche, man in the mirror. You got to start with yourself. And so how, that, that that's vague, right? And so starting with yourself is, I want to lead others, mm-hmm. and but how can I be a better person? And once you are that better person, automatically comes Kristen it mm-hmm. automatically comes you can't go out and say oh I'm gonna be a leader you've got to work 
you've got to work on something for you. Yeah. Yeah. And in and everything else falls into place. Yeah. Any every blessing that I have gotten, such as you, uh-huh. being able to contact and be in this space. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't say, oh, I'm I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. Yes, I have my manifest manifestation uh-huh. board, my visual board. But is my my work, my name, and my spirit is my calling card. Yeah. And so I'm able to lead others because I know my faults, I know my weaknesses, and I know my strengths. Mm-hmm. And so that is a true leader to me. Mm-hmm. Is someone who is able to turn that mirror on themselves and say, this is what I need to work on. And if I can work on that, then I can lead other people. You are so, it's so true. So that is is what I can tell anyone. And then of course, it is all about um, who you listen to, who is in your space. Um, I have a lot of people know me, right? A lot of of people feel they know me because I post on Facebook. Um, a lot, but I have three close friends and my mom and my daughter. Um, but a lot of people know me, but they know me. And so I'm always reading, I'm always helping. Um, and I get up every day. I get up every day. And oh, I'm, I'm not this Pollyanna either, that every day is bright um, and sunny. No, it's not. I'm a single mom. I live, I work at the University of Mississippi, I deal with students. I have my trials, but through that, um, like my grandmother say, any day above ground is a good day. And um, I know I've done more good than bad. And um, I just take it from there. But I always give myself grace. And as a leader, I understand that I have to give other people grace as well. So, I mean, I'm like over here thinking, I said, I think I need, I'm trying to brainstorm on a part two with you. (laughs) You really have done a lot for me tonight. You don't even know. uh, And I know the listeners, I know the listeners, if they don't have as many, I I literally can't. I'm I'm using scrap paper, but I got got notes over here. Um, Thank you. a genuine jewel of knowledge and insight. And um, how can we find you? I may I may be trying to hire you. I may be an organizer. Uh, <laughs> I, I, please add me on LinkedIn. Um, Alexandria White on LinkedIn. I do pro bono things. A lot of people, or I cannot afford you. Um, I love helping startups. I love helping um, leaders, future leaders. Find me on LinkedIn message me um email me i'm always on there alexandria white you will see my photo pop up um i am on facebook um at main consulting that's m-a-n-e consulting l-l-c and i'm also on facebook with at alexandria white consulting l-l-c and please i am a transparent person and yes please text or call me and people are like Alex do you know how many people that you talk to every day and I said you know what I have some of the most robust conversations with people who might have been scared to say something in a training and workshop and they'll message me and say is this really your number and I say yes this is my number and she's and they would say 
I really want to talk to you about what you said about being a better ally. And I said, well, by all means. And so my phone number is area code 812-327-4582. If you have any questions regarding diversity, equity, inclusion, um, I am happy to help. If, and if I cannot find that answer, I will definitely have someone in my network who will. And so hopefully you'll be able to find me in those three ways, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, and of course, um, my personal phone that I always have with me. So it's not getting it more authentic than that. And I don't even know if it's <laughs> phone number two or number one, but you gave out the phone number. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But a lot of people, this, and, and I get some of this, uh, I got, I got some of the best scenarios or some content that I've used and different things from people texting me them their authentic selves and their authentic lives and asking those uncomfortable questions um why can't I touch a black woman's hair let's go through that right I might not be able to text you everything but let's just go through that okay right, right, right. <laughs> I love it. you know and as much as I'm like who I don't know I don't know about the phone number but it speaks <laughs> volumes of how you are really out here doing work and you're not you don't shy away from it at all I love it I love it well folks <laughs> I hope you all have enjoyed Dr. Alex as much as I have um I can have I had a preconceived notion how this was gonna go you know I had this vision you know but I did not expect to receive all that I did um and I, I had a phenomenal vision I was like this is gonna be awesome but you you took me up a couple levels <laughs> Really did. I, I hope that everybody listening um, took away um, really intentional and purposeful information for you to, be able to use in your everyday life mm-hmm. as you continue on your path of leadership. I don't care if you're aspiring, if you're seasoned, um, or if you're new to it. You know, whatever your space is in leadership, I know you are able to uh, be a better person from today's podcast. So, other than that, I hope you all have an amazing rest of your rest of your week. Uh, don't forget to check back on the next podcast episode. Might just meet, be me by myself, or I may have another amazing guest. But either way, you're going to walk away ready to take on uh, the rest of your leadership journey. And so until the next time, let's lead. Thank you for checking out Lead the Way Wednesday with the Greater You Leadership Series. We hope we brought you content today that will help you move and navigate through the rest of your week as you continue on your journey of leadership. In the meantime, feel free to stop by our website at www.thegreateryouleadership.com. Visit us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at The Greater You Leadership. We look forward to your feedback and connecting and engaging with you in the future. In the meantime, Let's leave.